in the middle of a pandemic, we're dealing with riots across the country, looting, fighting, so much anger that's out on the streets. If there was ever a time for the church to rise up, now's the time. If there was ever a time for the church to rise up, now is the time. This message today is not for the world. It's not for anyone. It's for the church. I'm preaching to the church today. I'm preaching to the called out ones. The ones that profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's time we be the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe if the NBA and the NFL and the Major League Baseball, if they can come to terms with and start opening open dialogue with racism and social injustice in the world, where is the church? Where is our voice? What are we saying about what's going on? It's time for the church. I'm not getting political. I'm not running for office. I'm not doing any of these things. I'm speaking out for the church. We need to stand up. We need to stand up for God and the word, for life. I believe it's past time for the church to stand up and begin to speak. I believe the church holds the answer. We hold the answer. I used to teach in the youth all the time. If you've seen your friends walking off a cliff, wouldn't you warn them? Wouldn't you tell them you have the answer? Wouldn't you tell them? Church, it's time we tell them. It's time that we stand up. We let, the, we let the world know the church is alive and well. God is alive and well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some issues are not race issues. Don't get quiet on me. Some issues are not race issues. And I'll just say it right up front. I hate the word race. The black race, the white race, the Hispanic race, the you know, Asian race. I hate that term. I hate that term because God created man. He created the human race. Plain and simple. Plain and simple, the human race is the only race there is. But for our understanding, I may use this word several times today. It's about right and wrong. It's about sin. If we don't stand up for life, we're not standing up for God. My dad used to always tell me, he said, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for everything. Hallelujah. God help me today. Some people want to play the race card when it's all about right and wrong. Some things are character issues. If you're fired for being late for work, it's not a race issue. It's a character issue. The church needs to be the voice that brings unity. I was telling Brother Scotty before church, God dealt with me back in January One of our pastor friends here in town started a group text amongst pastors. There's, there's not a, a, a community uh, service here in Greenbrier anymore. There's not a, uh, as far as I know, there's not a ministerial alliance anymore. Nothing like that going on. And a friend of mine started a group text with the pastors here in town. And we just started talking with each other. Started praying with each other over different things. It's what the church needs to be doing is binding together. When we combine together with each other in unity and in love, what can we accomplish for God? 
God went dealing with me. And he put these words in my heart. And if I heard them somewhere else, I don't know where I heard them. But he said, unity in the community. And I thought to myself, Father, we don't have the demographics. We don't have the black people in our community like others do. What are you talking about? It's deeper than a color. There's got to be unity. There's got to be unity amongst the brothers. God began to deal with me about unity in the community. And I thought, you know what? This would be a great time to have it. We could do something out at the football field. We could, we could get out there and we could have different pastors come in and preach or say a few words. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'll just be honest with you. I'm transparent with you. I'm not racist by any means, any stretch. If you're black, you're black. If you're white, you're white. If you're Hispanic, you're Hispanic. We all know what we are. Stop trying to act like we're going to offend somebody because they are who God created them to be. I began to think of the black churches that I knew and the pastors around that I knew that surround us. And I thought we could have some of them come in and speak. Bring unity in the community. Because right now, you know, just being transparent, we'll talk about a town just north of us here, and there's a black church there. A town just south of us, there's a black church there. God didn't create a black church and a white church. There's not a black heaven. There's not a white heaven. There's a heaven. There's God's heaven with beautiful colored people there today. Glory. I'm getting back to my notes or I'll be here all day. The church needs to be the voice that brings unity. I thought unity in the community would be a great time on Martin Luther King's days that we celebrate and it was so quick upon us I seen it and I was like there's no way possible we're going to make this happen and so it just sat there out of mind out of sight out of mind through all this that's been going on God's beginning to knock on my heart again <laughs> and he said Drew you have to have unity in the community I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what we're going to do, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen simply because God won't let me go. He won't let me go on it. But there's got to be unity, not only with the color, with, with black men, with, with the Hispanics, with the Asians. There's got to be unity with the churches. There's got to be unity inside this sanctuary. There's got to be unity with the church next door. There's got to be unity with the church down the street. There has to be unity in the body of Christ. We understand. We know the sin's going to be here in the world. We understand what Revelation says, that things are going to wax worse. It's going to get worse and worse. But you know what? We also understand there's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a great revival. I was just praying a minute ago. It's not going to come the way we think it's going to come in our, our little box right here. It's going to come in our church, and we're going to have a guest speaker come in. He's going to preach the paint off the walls, and the crowds are going to be pouring in here. It's not going to come that way. I'm sure we're going to have services that way. I'm sure that'll happen. But revival is not going to come the way we think it is. God shows up in ways we never think he's going to show up. Every time we think we got him figured out, we're hitting a rock or, or not talking to the rock. It, we're, we're always doing something wrong because we think God can only work a certain way. God help us. The church has got to be the voice that brings unity. 
It's sad to watch the news or listen to the news when there's never a voice of victory. There's never any good news about what's going on. They don't show a peaceful protest. They show all the ones that turn violent. This has been a topic in our house and I have to explain to a 10-year-old what's going on in the world. Protesting something that is not a sin. Protesting peacefully is not a sin. But when you protest, protest with the purpose. There's got to be a purpose. But what we see is opportunists come in and loot, riot, causing havoc. And I don't know where, where you stand on it. I know they're busting people into different places. And that seems to be their only purpose is to start a fight, start a fire, cause a problem. We don't agree with that. It's sin. It's sin. It's sin. I'm about page seven on my notes and I still have one in front of me. We don't support nonsense that's going on. Me and Brother Scott was talking, I told you a minute ago, and I said these words, God just kind of give it to If you know to do good and doeth it not, to you it is sin. I wonder how many of them people that are rioting, setting things on fire, stealing something, that went to church. I'm not saying they were even raised right, but they've heard the good news of the gospel they know to do good, and they're not doing it. Our hearts ought to be broken for what we're seeing. Not because a building's burning down. Not because somebody else got beat up or this or that. And that, that's hurtful. That's shameful. The killings, it, it's shameful. But at the same time, we ought to be realized that's a soul that went out into eternity. <laughs> Lost without God. Lord, help us. Help us, Jesus. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 is where we're going to be reading. I didn't expect you to amen me down the road today and pat me on the back. But I got to deliver the message God gave me. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, would you stand for the reading of God's word? And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and, with, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man, he starts off with the parable here, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. And likewise, the Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. 
compassion. Hallelujah. And verse 34 says, And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine, and set him on his beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Dad, would you pray that I can deliver God's word today? You can be seated today. Thank God for his word. It's anointed. It's real in our lives today. I want to preach for just a little while on the subject of refuse to look the other way. Refuse to look the other way. There's something that is happening in our country right now that we can't preach over. We can't preach around. We can't look the other way, but we have to deal with the elephant that's in the room. People don't want to talk about it. People just want to push it under the rug. And it's so easy to do when things in the world is going on and it's not happening in Greenbrier. It's not happening to our neighborhood. It's not happening to our family members. It's easy to do that. It doesn't affect me. Let me tell you, this affects you. This affects you. I believe we as the church of Jesus Christ and anyone that calls themselves a believer has to realize now's the time to put up or shut up. I told you it's going to be tough. It's going to be rough. But it's time that we stand up for what's right. It doesn't matter what I think and it doesn't matter what you think. But what does God's holy word say? We have to understand that this is the ultimate authority. This is what we have to go by, not our feelings. Again, me and Brother Scotty, we seem to do this every Sunday morning. We have a conversation. In that conversation, I told him, I said, racism, we think of it as a color barrier. We think there's something wrong there. But you know what? You can be racist against anybody. And the ones that just keeps coming to my mind is somebody from the Middle East. Because here in America, we're Americanized and we see... 9-11 happened. It come from the Middle East. And after a while, we start seeing the Middle Easterners, the Muslims, as, as just, we, we, we put up a barrier there. We don't like them. We do. Whether you amen or not, it's still the truth. 
We had a conversation this week with, with uh, Cardin. We were talking about Jesus. And uh, I told him, I said, Cardin, you know, Jesus wasn't an American. How many has ever seen a picture of Jesus? He looks like an all-American surfer or something with a nice cut beard and everything. He looks cool, right? We don't know. We know he had a beard. It may have been down to here. It may have been white and gray all the way down here. He may have been wearing a turban. Well, that doesn't sound like my Jesus. I was telling my cousin about this the other day, and he said, dude, he said, I was in a black church one time. They had a picture of black Jesus hanging on the wall. What's the word say about it? Where did he come from? We know the nationality he was. We know what he looked like. We, we have a perception of what he looks like. We didn't have the American Jesus. We didn't have a black Jesus. We had a Jew Jesus. If we're not careful, we develop prejudices toward different things. You know, I'm prejudiced about certain things. Bad food, I just won't eat it. Won't have anything to do with it. Won't smell it. Won't try it. I don't care how rotten that milk is. Somebody always tastes it and says, oh, this is terrible. Try it. No, I'm not doing it. Doesn't it happen? Every time. Well, you, it may not be bad. You try it and see. No, if you think it is, that's good enough for me to throw it out. My dad drinks milk sometimes. It looks like cottage cheese. I'm like, Dad, just throw it out. He said, it only went out last week. I, throw it out. Throw it out. We need voices of victory today. I mentioned a minute ago we see in the news, and it's just bad news, bad news, bad news, this and that. We need the voice of victory. We need good news. We need to be shared. You know, I find it funny. I don't find it funny. I know it's God that it's described as the good news. The gospel is the good news. This is what we need today is the gospel being preached to rioters, to, to looters, to people burning down their cities. We need to be teaching them the Word of God. Instead of being scared and shut up in our little cozy houses and churches and thinking it's not our job because it's not in my neighborhood. I've been actively looking for ways to get involved. I don't want to fly to Minnesota and start walking down the streets. I'm going to be scared too. But there's other things that we can do. But we need voices of victory today. Voices that are stand up and declare the work of the Lord and bring unity into our communities. I believe this is going to be a turning point in America. And if it's going to turn in the right direction, it's got to be because of the church. I know there's a lot of people preaching that, you know, this pandemic is going to bring, bring revival to the church. I said, no, it's not. It's not going to bring revival to the church. It's not desperate enough. It's not desperate enough. When you've seen people turn to God, it's when their sons, grandsons, and daughters are fighting and dying in war. Then you start seeing people get back to God. This has not been bad enough. And this has been bad. And I'm not making light of it in any way, in any form. What I'm saying, it's not going to happen until the church rises up and starts spreading this good news and telling about the Lord Jesus Christ. It has to start among our Christian leaders, our pastors, and, and then let it spread to the congregation and move forward. We need united voices standing together in order and that justice will prevail in the United States. I told you, I've been preaching my notes already, and so I'm going to have to skip through some of this stuff unless you want to hear it again. There's not going to be a black heaven and a white heaven. I'll just say it again. 
going to be God's day. When God created man in the beginning, and by the way, there's only one race, and that's the human race. Sure, we have different ethnicities. That's easy for me to say, in different cultures. But there's only one race, and that's the human race. And that's who Jesus died for. There should never be a black church or a white church or Asian or Hispanic church in our communities. We should just have churches that are inviting all human diversities into their church. I'm not saying invite sin into your church and let it reign, rule and reign. Yes, sinners need to come in our church, but we don't need to be labeled, oh, that's a white church. That's a black church over there. That's a Hispanic church. I tell you, my heart is to start a Hispanic church. It's a little bit different. It's not because I want to segregate myself from them. It's because I can't speak their language. But I'd love to see our church go forward and have a, an afternoon Spanish-speaking service in here for the people that I can't reach because of a language barrier. I would love to see that here. And I kept thinking to myself, God, how do we do that? I don't know any Spanish-speaking preachers. How do we do that? What's this going to look like? And God told me, he said, you have an interpreter. I was like, oh boy, we have about three of them in our church, if not more. God knows how to work. He knows how to mess you up when you think, well, God, I can't do it. This, I can't do it. He'll mess you up. He'll show you how you can do it. Unfortunately, Sundays are the most segregated day of the week. Amen, Pastor. That's a good job. You're doing good. What did God's word say in Matthew 16, 18? And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. We have to understand that God's going to build the church. God's going to take care of the church. It's not the, what we look like. It's not what somebody else looks like. We, we can't design it and say, okay, this is what's going to happen here. Let God build the church. Hallelujah. We've sat back and we watched things happen, and especially in recent memory, the last few weeks, and what's been going on in America. Seeing God's creation die right in front of our eyes. I told you it's going to get real, it's going to be tough. We watched a man's life be taken from him. And this is not bashing on police officers. It, it doesn't matter what profession there is in life, you're going to have good and you're going to have bad. I know we don't understand all the circumstances going on, but I also understand what we've seen. I also understood what I heard. And there was three other officers there heard the same thing. I know this much, and I told this story. When I was a kid, you remember them, them toy handcuffs we used to play with? And, you know, as you got older, you just break apart from them and everything. I remember when I couldn't break apart from them. I remember we'd get to playing, and I'd be handcuffed, my hands behind my back, and I'm laying on my stomach, and I couldn't get up. I had trouble getting up. While we was at the hospital Friday, a man came walking out of the emergency room. He'd been treated, and he was, he was on drugs, or he was drunk or something, and the police was escorting. He had his hands behind his back. The officer had his arm just like this, and the man fell down. The police officers were doing a great job with him. There's doing nothing wrong, but he fell down. And so the police officer was trying to help him up, and the whole time he's struggling to try to stand up, not because he's drunk. It's just because it's hard to get up when you don't have your limbs to push you up. Finally, the other cop, he come out of the hospital, and he had the paperwork, and he rushed over there and helped him up. And it, it was actually a beautiful scene. 
of a man that was in desperate need, and these police officers were helping them. Helped him into the squad car. I'm sure they helped him right into the jail, right where he needed to be. But when you sit and watch a man put his D on another man's neck and hear the pleas, I can't breathe, I'm sure they've heard that before. Oh, you're faking it. You're doing this. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Where is the compassion? I don't know that man's life. I don't know if he's a professing believer. I have no idea what was going on there. What I do know is what I've seen should have never happened. I don't care if I had to wrestle him again and fight him again and get him back on the ground. That should have never happened. Isaiah 58 1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. And show my people their transgression. And the house of Jacob their sins. We can't keep our mouth shut. We can't keep our mouth shut because we're white. Or it's not in our community or any other reason. We can't keep our mouth shut. It's wrong. It's sin. In 1968 when Dr. Martin Luther King was given a speech. He said it's not the words of our enemies but the silence of our friends. You think about that. It's not the words of the enemy that's hurting. It's the silence of nobody helping. Nobody stepping in. Nobody. There was crowded streets there. Somebody's videotaping it. What would you have done? I know what I would have done. I always thought, well, the police know what they're doing. There's another quote that simply says, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. If we don't speak against it, if we don't say anything about it, then it's just as bad. Keeping your voice shut is just as bad. What we saw on television is sin. And what's followed that is sin. Sin develops more sin. It births more sin. We sit back and watch it happen. And I'm going to tell you right now, it'll continue to happen if our voices are not lifted up. I understand people being angry. I, I understand them marching through the streets. I understand that. I don't get the violence. I don't get the, the rioting. I don't get setting your own neighborhoods on fire. I don't even know how Target become a Target. It makes no sense. Sin makes no sense. Help me out, Dad. Sin makes no sense. We don't need hot-style leaders. We don't need angry men. Although a lot of people get angry, and something happens to you, I'll tell you right now. Uh, it, and another good in, uh, uh, example of this is going to the hospital. Brother Steve and Sister Gail has been in and out of the hospital over and over, and it's been tough. And I see it where people are sitting out in their cars and can't go in with their loved ones. You think, man, that's tough. That's bad. I'm praying for them. Sister Gail, I've sincerely been praying for you. I've been sincerely praying for people in the hospital. But then it was my own sister. And they wouldn't let me go back. I'm pulling out a little card in my pocket that says, look, I'm a preacher. Let... Then they won't let me. Get... All of a sudden now it's like, this is wrong. This is wrong. There's some... I understand what they're trying to do, but this is wrong. It's the same way. We see something like that. I told Brother Scott, I said, we're, we're not going to wait until Jackson's held down and somebody puts his knee on his neck and going to kill him before we finally stand up and say, no, that's wrong. 
Sin is wrong. Wrong is wrong. I'm getting back to this mess, the, the text, just a minute. When we sit back and we see danger taking place and we don't do anything, this is tough, but it's just like engaging in it yourself. Just turning the other way. We've seen it in the scriptures. The priest, the Levite, walking by, they've seen the same thing. A man obviously had wounds, and the wounds, there was blood, there was a mess. He'd been beat up, posed no threat. But these two guys, supposed to be church going people, we're talking about the priest. We're talking about the Levi. These are church-going people seeing someone in need, half dead. There's another sermon right there, half dead. The devil should have went ahead and just killed us because when you're just half dead, you can still praise the Lord. If you don't have an arm, you still praise him with the other arm. Right? Say, I have cancer. I'm going through chemo. Praise the Lord. I'm not, I'm not all the way dead. I praise the Lord. I'm going to thank God for what I do have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the good Samaritan, Jesus tells the story, asks the question. The question is asked, who's my neighbor? Jesus gives the parable, starts telling all about it. So many times we want to just focus in on the good Samaritan. Well, that was a great thing he did. What about that priest and Levi? Why do we just let them off the hook and say, you know, so they missed it. The good Samaritan was not the churchgoer. He wasn't. He was a man passing by and seeing a need. I've told you before this story. In Nashville, Tennessee, I seen a drunk stumble out into the street, just like off of a TV show, just looked as funny as he could be, trying to stand up. He was so drunk, and it was just comical. And I looked over at my cousin that was riding with us, and she was just tears pouring down her face, the compassion she had for that gentleman. And I realized in that moment, where is my compassion? I should have seen what she's seen. The priest and Levi should have seen what the good Samaritans said. The Samaritans of that day, they didn't want anything to do with them, did they, Taylor? They didn't want anything to do with them. And here he is passing by. Seeing the same thing, but yet he stopped. We got to refuse to look the other way. Shelly, would you come back? The priest and the Levi should have taken care of this man. So called Christians should have poured the oil and the wine in, they should have taken care of him. But the Good Samaritan happened by. He didn't have a Christian identity, he didn't belong to TFT. He wasn't claiming Christianity. He wasn't standing up, teaching, preaching, singing in the choir. My point to all of that is, what are we doing? Professing Christians. Come in here and worshiping the Lord. I'm not getting on to you. I'm not, I hope you're receiving this the way, the way it is in my heart. We're all guilty at times of turning our heads. Walking to the other side. He just saw a man and needed help, and he did what needed to be done. Well, the other guy saw a man that was in need, 
And they looked at him and walked to the other side. Where is our love? Where is our compassion? How many knows that Jesus is pro-life? When we think about pro-life, we hear the words. We think about abortion. Well, we're pro-life. We're going to stand up against it. Over the years, it's got less and less and less. We're not even talking about it that much. But it's murder. It's sin. Genesis 2 and 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God is life. He is life. And man became a living soul. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is a God about life. You have to understand the good Samaritan stopped and poured the wine and the oil. And that was important. Because before you can pour the wine and the oil, you had to bind up the wounds. You have to bind up the wounds. And that's what he did. Church, we have to bind up the wounds. We have to bring unity that's what unity is. It's bringing things together. When you have a cut or a break, I said, no, now, nowadays a lot of times the hospital, you have a small cut, they just pinch it together and put some super glue on it. They brought unity back where, they were, where it was before. Before you can pour the oil and the wine, you've got to bind up the wound. If you didn't realize it, you didn't understand it, our country is bleeding right now. So much so, I went bowling the other day. I sat down. I wasn't going to bowl. I was just going to watch. Little bitty black boy. Had dreadlocks. His hair. Cutest little girl I'd ever seen in my life. And I talked to the mama. I said, she's a dog. Said a few more comments. And she goes, he's a boy. Sorry. I had the same thing with my boys. Shall I dress them all up? And I don't care if they was in all blue. Somebody said, oh, she's the sweetest thing. But I did what come natural. I seen a beautiful baby. Just, just talking, looking at me, smiling, whatever. His, baby bro, or his bigger brother was being mean to him and aggravating him. And the mama had, had to come up and tend to it. And she talked to me back and forth. And in that moment, I realized, boy, I wonder if she doesn't like me. I wonder if she hates me. It's not in my heart that way. It doesn't bother me. It, there, there's, no, there's no prejudice. I'm in my heart. So talking to her and the kids, it didn't bother me a bit. But in my mind, it brought back, because of all this nonsense going on, what does she think of me? Am I doing my part? Does she think I'm part of that? Does she think that I'm the one that, would, that promotes that, that thinks that it's okay and I'm going to shut my mouth about it? Or did she see the light of Jesus? Would you stand with me?